The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
joy in the house of the Lord this morning. We sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King.
morning, church. So, the passage that I was given, that I chose for this morning, is kind of different from a traditional Christmas passage. And it comes out of the book of Luke, chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, and it says, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. So last Sunday we started the Advent season that leads up to Christmas Day. And this week in the Advent calendar is the second week, the start of the second week, and this week represents faith. You know, God works in amazing ways. I wasn't scheduled to give a communion meditation today, but God wanted me to give a communion meditation today. And so the subject of this meditation today came to me about a month, month and a half ago. And uh, God knew that what I had to say needed to be said today. So let's talk about faith. Faith is a powerful feeling and it's a powerful drive for all of us. Faith is what allows you to sit in your chairs today because let's let's be real honest. If you guys didn't have faith in those chairs that you're sitting in right now, but you guys would be standing up. We would be we would be standing at the back or standing right there where we're at. But you have faith in that chair. Faith is what draws us to the foot of the cross and faith is what draws us to a saving relationship with our Lord and Jesus Christ. Faith is the reason why we're here. Faith is what caused Mary and Joseph to set off towards Bethlehem, knowing that Mary was due to give birth at any time. Faith is a powerful, powerful driving force that leads us throughout our daily lives. You know, we always hear the saying that Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, that is a very, very true statement. And we are celebrating Jesus' birth at this time of Christmas. But one of the other facts that we have to face is the cross is an important part of the Christmas story. You know, when all is said and done, if you really want to get down to it, the cross is the reason for the season. Because when God sent his son to earth in the form of a baby, he knew that that baby was going to hang on the cross for you and for me. You know, I heard a sermon not too long ago by a pastor named Alistair Begg. And that's where this 
whole topic came from. That's where this the subject of this meditation came from. And he says, and he asked the people, he said, what qualifies us to get into heaven? What qualifies, what, what qualities do we have? And he said, when we answer that question, if we answer that question in the first person, if we answer that, if we start our answer with, because I, then we're wrong. Because it has nothing to do with us. We have to start our answer with, because Jesus, Jesus is the reason why we get to heaven. In that sermon, he, he, gives, he goes along and he's talking about the thief on the cross. And that's why I used the, the verses that I did today. And he's, he says, I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about that thief. Right before he died, he was, he was cursing God, and he was cursing him. And then he asked that one question. He had a change of heart. He said, will you remember me in your Father's kingdom? And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. But let's look, let's look at that. You know, put yourself in that that thief's perspective. Put yourself in his shoes. You die. You get to the gates. Angel steps up, says, hey, what are you doing here? The guy says, I don't know. Okay, so what qualities, do, why do you get to be here? I don't know. Well, so the angels pull out their little checklist. All right, did you go to church? Um, no. Well, did you do service in the church? Um, no. Well, do you know what the phrase justification by faith means? Say what? Um, do you regularly study the scriptures? Um, um, no. Wait, what? And so finally, out of frustration, the angel says, why do you get to be here? And that thief looks at that angel and he says, because the man on the middle cross said I could come. Ladies and gentlemen, church, that's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. We celebrate because the man on the middle cross hung there for you and for me. And if he didn't come that first Christmas, if he wasn't the reason why we celebrate Christmas, then everything is for naught. The reason why we celebrate Christmas, the reason why we sit here today is because the man on the middle cross died for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son so many years ago as a little baby, knowing that he was coming to die for our sins. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are able to celebrate this season. And Lord, I pray that as we travel through the rest of the Advent season, Lord, that we remember 
You gave us permission. You died for us so we could be here. Lord, keep us holy, keep us humble, and let us never forget the man on the middle cross died for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. A part of the New York School of Professional Studies released uh, uh, some stats a few weeks ago, actually November the 15th of this year, so just a couple of weeks ago, about travel. They said 85% of American families feel very likely to travel in the next 12 months. Agree, disagree? I think that's probably fair. They said that on this survey, 57% felt very confident in traveling and 28% felt mostly confident in traveling. Here were the reasons they wanted to travel, and I'm just curious to see if you agree with this. They wanted to travel for new experiences. That's pretty fair. Pandemic frustration. We're all sick of sitting, you know. And the third one was to be with family. Does that that seem like fair reasons to travel? But here are their three biggest concerns about travel. Again, two weeks ago. Number one, Inflation. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Uh, Potential cancellations. We've heard a lot about travel, uh, planes and stuff like that. And being with family. Wait a minute. It made it on the top three on both? (laughs) I'm excited to be with family. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be with family. Uh, How does it make it on the biggest concerns and the biggest reasons because I bet you would all agree family is great. Amen. But I bet you would all agree that family is sometimes hard. We're in this series called storyline, the stories that Jesus told, and we're going to stay through the Christmas season in the parables. And you go, but aren't you supposed to be doing baby Jesus and stuff like that? The stories that he told tell his story and tell his character about us. So we're going to be in these parables. We're going to be in Matthew uh, 18 if you want to start looking there. If you're on the radio, you're online joining us. Thank you for being a part of Central Christian Church Portalis today. Uh, In the parable of the unmerciful servant is uh, one we have studied before. It's one I think is one of the most powerful uh, teachings of all of Jesus' parables. And we're going to discuss some very difficult subjects, forgiveness and conflict. But I want us to discuss them in the framework of family. As we're heading into the holidays and how we deal with family, I want us to focus on that connection between forgiveness and family. And I'm just going to warn you right now, this isn't going to be easy. I argued with God on this sermon. I fought. I wrote something else. He didn't like it. I tried the. I tried to get out of this one multiple times, so we're going to go with what he said. So Matthew 18, join me in verse 23. I also want to put a one big qualifier on this. I am not talking to anybody, all right? I'm not talking to your family. I'm not talking to my family. I'm talking families in general. You hear me? Okay, here we go. Matthew 18, verse 23. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold 
along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy? Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Forgiveness is one of the strongest words in all of the Bible. Would anybody argue that? It's a powerful word. Uh, That verse we read earlier, Psalm 103, He has removed our sins as far as east is from the west. Forgiveness from God is the cancellation of debt. It's the nullification of wrongdoing. It's a restoration. It's fellowship. It's relationship. Forgiveness from God brings us all these things. But forgiveness, the word, is also an indiscriminate word. And it is one of the most misused and misquoted words in all of Scripture. We use it out of context and we use it where it, it's, it's not been used in the proper method. I want you to see the context. Look in the text and Peter asks a question. Back in verse 21, Lord, how many times do I forgive? And then he answers his own question seven times. And you go, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Here's the backstory. You need to know the history of this. The Jewish rabbinical law, not the Mosaic law, not the God gave to Moses law, the rabbi's law, they would take laws and they would add to them. The rabbinic law said you had to forgive your neighbor three times. Okay, if they did something wrong, after three times, you're free. Okay, you don't have have to do anything. So... Peter asks this question, answers his own question with kind of a humble brag. He's like, hey, look at me. I'm two and a third times the regular Jew, all right? Or whatever the math is on that. I I don't math well. But but so I'm just a little bit better than that. Isn't that good? Peter's saying that. How would you answer his question? How many times do you forgive? Let's see if I can illustrate it this way. I, what if I needed a volunteer for the audience? And I called out, I don't know, random West Wings. And uh, Wes came up here. He's not going to because he's looking at me like he's ready to stab me. But uh, he, he, supposing I got him up here. Wes is one of my dearest friends. I love him. He's been with me. He stands by me. And I appreciate him, right? And I tell him, Wes, I've got this baseball bat. And I'm going to hit you in the head. But, hey, hey, don't. I'm going to say I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm sorry. So you can't even hold that against me. So Wes is going to stand here. I'm going to hit him in the head. But I'm going to say I'm sorry, Wes. I'm going to say I'm sorry. How many times is he going to let me do that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hard head, broken back. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways. But realistically, 
How many times are you going to let someone hurt you? That's hard. And therein lies the problem. There seems to be two levels of forgiveness. There is the forgiveness that God gives us that we like. Amen? Hallelujah? All right, we like that forgiveness. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, God paints in many colors, but He never paints so gorgeously as when He paints in white. What a great thought. White washing our sins away. There is the kind that God gives and the kind that we give to somebody else. You see, God's forgiveness cancels the debt. Now listen to me close here. This was fun. It's not cancels your debts, plural. You only have one. doesn't matter how many times you did it. You only have one. And even if you only did it one time, you only had one sin, that's your debt. But He cancels the debt. He nullifies the wrongdoing. The church word is justified. We hear that in justification, justified. And I couldn't understand that word growing up. My dad said, it's, God makes it just as if I'd never sinned. It didn't even exist. He nullifies the wrong. He restores fellowship. He restores relationship between sinner and creator. His, my sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What a great line in that song. That is such a powerful thought. And to clarify these ideas of forgiveness, Jesus tells this incredible story. A guy owes millions of dollars. Some of yours says millions of dollars. That's what the NLT said. Some of yours says 10,000 bags of gold. Some of yours might say 10,000 talents. Now, a talent is 6,000 denarii. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about the vineyard worker. A denarii is a coin that you got for one day's wages. So a talent is 6,000 days' wages. And if you owe 10,000 talents, I don't math well. I went and got a calculator. That's 60 million days' wages. I had to get a calculator again. That is 164,383.5 years. 165,000 years. That's the, the amount. And it, the question is not how did he get that amount. The question is it's a ridiculous amount. Do you hear me? It's an absolutely absurd amount. And that's the point. I love his response. His response is be patient with me. I'll pay it back over time. Do we hear the joke there? There is not that much time left. There's not. There's just not. There's not enough time, and that's the point. Our debt to God is so huge, it cannot be repaid. We owe it, and it's more than we'll ever, ever make. Because grace isn't because we deserve it. Grace is given to us to give. It is given, we get grace to give grace. I think the, the reason, this is my thinking, the reason this, powerful, this parable is so powerful is we, we have a collective anger at this guy. We, we all don't like him. He's Darth Vader, okay? Nobody likes Darth Vader. All right, we, we all, now you may dress up like him, but nobody cheers for Darth Vader. We all want him to get his end, all right? He, he, he's the bad guy. This guy is 
is dumb. He does dumb things. He goes and gets a guy that owes him a little, and he doesn't forgive him. We see the mercy he was given, and then he violates it, and, uh, and he, he disrespects it, and that violates our, our inner moral compass. We say, that was wrong. That is just not how you behave. Let me ask you a question. Do you have spiritual amnesia? Have you ever had a case of holy Alzheimer's? Okay. Have we forgotten what God has done for us through Jesus? He came for me. God with us come to save us. Your grace sets us free. Not my works, not my actions. His grace saves me. That's this Advent season and this Christmas season with the decor and and all of the fun stuff and the presents and the family and the gifts and the movies and all of the stuff. We celebrate this not just for the stuff, but we celebrate it to remember that a teenage mother gave birth to our Savior. Do do we get the scandal that this was? A, A teen mom that was unwed when she found out she was pregnant? Oh, this was horrid. Advent reminds us there's so much going on here. This story is the coming of the King. But I started this this whole sermon time with notes about family and traveling. Why? Because I want us to zoom out even more. Look back on this story for just a second in Matthew 18. And Peter, Peter says in verse 21, how many times do I forgive? Seven? And Jesus' response is, depending on your verse... Or version, it says either 77 times or 70 times 7. And the number of pages and gallons of ink that have been spilled on that argument is bum-fuzzling, all right? I, the point is, it's a ridiculous amount. Would Wes forgive me 490 times? Whack! One. Whack! Two. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, around... 12 or 13 or 480, is he kind of out of it? You know, How many times will we forgive? It's a ridiculous amount. But what is right before that in the text? Look back to Matthew 18, verse 15, 16, and 17, and you will find a passage that we reference here a lot at Central. I will use, I will use every opportunity to get back to Matthew 18 because it deals with conflict. And Jesus gives us a very specific method of how to deal with conflict. This is a story. This parable is a response to how to deal with conflict. This story is grace and how we deal with other people. Other church folk. He says, go to them and then go with somebody and then go with the elders. What if we incorporated into that Family. Because I believe grace needs to start at home. How many of you know the Lord's Prayer? I mean, you know, you're you're kind of, uh, I can't remember all of it. See if you can remember this part and see if you can finish it. Forgive us our trespasses as... Okay, that's, that's perfect. You did great. Take a thousand points out of petty cash. Uh, there's one really powerful two-letter word in there. Two letters that is powerful 
as. It links the two behaviors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those around us. You hear what I'm saying? That it, it, it pulls the behaviors together. And it's hard. How many of you remember this next scene? It's called Biosphere 2. Uh, anybody remember this? Happened in the, it actually opened in 1991. If you don't, there's a really cool uh, d- documentary on Hulu called Spaceship Earth. Okay? You may not know about this. It's, it's a really wild documentary, too. This is a complete life s- cycle. It's a city. Uh, it was completely enclosed with no outside air, no outside water, no outside... You know, they brought in all these plants, all these animals, and they were going to go in there and they were going to live for two years. Eight people, four men, four women, they were all scientists. They went through years of training, spent millions of dollars building this thing. Fun fact, this thing actually started in New Mexico. Another one of our, woohoo, we're crazy moments, but... Uh, It's a little opinion just thrown in there. Okay, so this thing's brilliant. It's big, it's huge, everything. It was this whole biosphere. These people had gone, undergone psychological tests. They had prepped for years. They were going to go in. It was going to seal the lock. They were going to be inside two years and not... They had a phone and they had a video conference. It was before the Internet, okay? And they were going to track because their premise was if we're ever going to conquer Mars or the moon or set up a civilization somewhere. We got to learn how if we can do this. And they got in there to live two years and they didn't make it. But it wasn't because of the carbon dioxide. It wasn't because they ran out of food. It wasn't because they were yearning for McDonald's fries so bad that they had to get out. It was one problem. There were eight people in there and people are crazy. They said within weeks they were fighting and had already factioned off. Anybody seen Survivor? Okay, and they go and they make alliances. You know, I'm going to... That's exactly what they did. That within eight months, they were e- weren't even speaking to each other. Eight people in an incredible experience. And it was not an outside force. It was not, a, any, it was not the food. It was not anything. It was them that caused the problem it was ungrace uh, one of the scenes in the documentary the, la- the lady's talking about all the savannah and the rainforest and everything we created our own garden of eden she said that and the very next scene had a snake slithering through and i was like oh <laughs> that's a little foreshadowing there ungrace it wasn't the technology that tore them apart it was the people Ungrace causes fissures between mother and daughter, husband and wife, families, churches. Left alone, those cracks widen and they will swallow grace. So here's a tough question. Is forgiveness a subject you need to discuss and you need to address before you spend time with family this holiday season? Told you it's going to get ugly. This is hard. And I'm not addressing any person. But we need to know what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not 
dismissing or minimizing the seriousness of the offense. They hurt you. It's not, it's not excusing the offense. I can't stand it when people say, oh, it's no big deal. Yes, it's a big deal. And let's be honest, sometimes hurts from family are deeper hurts. It's kind of hurt. Forgiveness is not, uh, it's not reconciliation with no change. Well, yeah, everything is, everybody will say, well, can't we just get back to the way it was before? You know? No, there has to be a change in behavior. And forgiveness does not even mean reconciliation of relationship. You can have forgiveness at a distance. You don't have to allow them back into your life. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. That idea of forgive and forget is not in here. That's why I say forgiveness is sometimes misused. It's misunderstood. You see, every time you've been hurt, something was taken from you. She ripped our workplace apart. He took my virtue from me. She stole my ability to kiss my kids goodnight. I am in no way trying to minimize the, the things that you have been through because in this room there are people that have gone through way worse stuff than I have. But that's what forgiveness is not. Let's talk about what forgiveness is. It is the decision to cancel the debt. It's not easy. It's not natural. It's a choice. I was working on this sermon and started Googling different things about forgiveness, and I, I stumbled on an article from the Mayo Clinic, not church things, the Mayo Clinic, Minnesota, right? Big researchers. They, said, they did a study on the effects of forgiveness on your physiology. Here's, here's some of the things, not the whole article, here's some of the things. Forgiveness, the benefits of forgiveness to you, it will lower your blood pressure. It will have you, um, help you have better bowel movements. It will help you sleep better. I bet you didn't think that's what we were going to talk about when you came into church this morning. Man, Don, what is wrong with you today? See, forgiveness is a choice. It is giving up the right to get even. Okay, go back to the parable. The first guy, he goes to the king. The king holds the note, right? And the king tears the note up. He goes back to the other guy, but he held on to the note. Forgiveness is letting go of the note. It's letting go of revenge. It's letting go of the, I'm going to get even. Romans 12, verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate, intentional decision to not pay back. You hear me? But it's not just this abstract thing. I want there to be action as well. Forgiveness is responding to evil with good. It's responding to what has happened to you with good behaviors and good thinking. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking in Luke chapter 6. If you want to write it down, Luke six twenty-seven, He says, but to you who are listening... I thought that was really important. Are you listening? Pay attention. But who, to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Did you hear that? Those are measurable actions. They're conscious actions. Love, do good, pray for, bless. Actions, these actions are indicators of how you and I are dealing with forgiveness. Will we 
pray blessings on somebody that has hurt us. Ooh, that's hard. I'm not even about to tell you that's easy. Can you forgive somebody that has never said, I'm sorry? That's hard. Can you forgive even though you've never received an apology? And you might be sitting there saying, Don, I don't care what they do to me, but you don't know what they did to my kid. Anybody? That hurts. You don't understand. I've tried to forgive. My mouth burned down my marriage. He cheated. I am not asking you to erase what has happened, especially in a family. And I don't think Jesus is either. I think He's asking us to to really truly understand forgiveness. And forgiveness makes no sense unless we understand we are forgiven. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. Did you hear that? Just as? Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. You see, the the guy in this parable did not realize, he did not take into account his account. He, he was not overwhelmed at the forgiveness he, gave, he received, so he couldn't give it. Listen to me now. If God merely pretended to forgive us, we're doomed. If, if God just said, oh, it's no big deal, but he really was holding on to it, then we got no hope. You hear me? But if we can trust His forgiveness, can we trust God? Yes, no, yes. If we can trust His forgiveness, then we can offer it too. So, so there really aren't two types of forgiveness. There's only one. And here's where this gets super hard. We either believe it or we don't. But but Don, you know, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not putting levels to this. We either believe it or we don't. We either forgive or we don't. That's hard. She sat on my couch in my office. And told horrible stories of of what she'd been through. It was it was terrible, uh, rape, abuse, physical, mental, all kinds of horrible trauma. And I'm so sorry. I hated that. I hated hearing it. I can't understand it because I've not been in those shoes. But there was this statement that she said at the end of it that really rung in my ears and stung me. She said, "I'll never forgive him for what he did." Trust me, I get it. I totally get it. Is there a parent in here that if somebody harmed your child, would that be super easy to say? Yeah, it would be. But those are dangerous words. And that's a dangerous mindset, folks. If we refuse to move toward forgiveness, we're going to develop handicapped emotions. 
We're not going to be able to relate to people. We're going to be stunted in our spiritual growth. We're going to be stunted in our life growth. We are not going to be the, the people God wants us to be to bring hope to our community. That's what He's called us to do. To be disciples, to make disciples. You will stunt your own growth hanging on to grudges. And I'm speaking from experience here, no matter how valuable you think they are. No matter how right you think you are. Go with me for just a second back to the text. Look in Matthew, the end of this story. Look in verse 34. Matthew 18, verse 34. The, the, then the angry king sent the man to, be, to prison. If there was a period right there, it'd still be a bad story. But it doesn't stop there. Look at the next line. The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured... Not just prison, to be tortured until he paid his debt. We go back to the math. The math says that's 165,000 years. And in that 165,000 years, are you making your daily wage so you can pay that back? No. There is no way it'll ever be paid back. There's no way. Then listen real close to verse 35. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your fathers and sisters, your brothers and sisters from your heart. Man, that's hard. It's the truth. It's hard. As we head into family time, (laughs) that lady, very, very sweet, told me, said, but you just don't understand, Don. My family's dysfunctional. They all are. (laughs) We all, all, anybody? We all got problems. We all got baggage. What if this is the year? We bucked up. Uh, But Don, you don't understand. It's, It's hard at our family. Yeah, yeah, I do understand. It is hard. Let this be the year that that God works in you and works through you to deal with forgiveness. Because that is His story. Just what Jeremy was saying, if it wasn't for the cross, that manger really wouldn't matter. It's just another kid. But that cross gives us hope. We have hope. The Advent season gives us hope because He has already forgiven us. Let's be people that tell His story. Would you pray with me? God with us, come to save us. Your grace sets us free. But Father, my sins, they are many. Your mercy is so much more. Father, today, work in our hearts. Work in our, our baggage, work in our mindsets to see our debt, to see what you've paid, and to be people that give the forgiveness you have given to us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, friends, this is not easy. This is a hard subject, and I guarantee I've stepped on somebody, and, and you may be sitting there, but, but Don, our family's great. We love being together. Fantastic. This sermon wasn't for you. 
Somebody struggling. So talk to somebody. Get to a counselor. Get to, to one of us. Let's pray together. Let's let God begin to heal. Amen? Because our sins, there are many. His mercy is so much more. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.